to Psalms 145. Amen. Service is going to be different than the last service. Praise the Lord. Psalms 145, verse 8 and verse 9, states that the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He's slow to anger. I'm glad He is. And He is of great mercy. Amen. Great is the opposite of little. So God, our great God, has great mercy for all of His people. The Bible says the Lord is good to most everybody. No, 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 no. The Lord is good to some. No, thank God the Lord's good to all. And His tender mercies. Thank God. Mercies, there is plural. Mercies for your spirit. Mercies for your soul. Mercies for your body. Mercy for your loved ones. Mercy for your finances. Hallelujah. Mercy for your past failures. The Lord is good to you. And His tender mercies are over all His works. Well, you're His workmanship, aren't you? I'm His workmanship. And His mercies are over all of our lives. Oh, glory to God. I want to talk to you a little while this morning about the mercies of God. Amen. Anybody believe in the mercy of God? Look with me at Deuteronomy chapter 7 and notice with me in verse 9. Deuteronomy the 7th chapter and notice with me in verse 9. Thank you Lord. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, He is God. He is the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love Him, and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. Oh, thank God for that. Thank God that He keeps His covenant unto a thousand generations. That's you and that's me. We're part of that generation, are we not? The mercy of the Lord. The Bible says, endures forever. Notice with me now, in Micah 7.19, the scripture says that our God, He delights in mercy. What does He delight in? He delights in the mercy of God. In other words, it gives Him great pleasure to be merciful to you and merciful to me. In other words, he's extremely delighted, praise God. He is delighted to show forth mercy to all of his people. Amen. Delighted. He's delighted to show himself merciful to you. The Bible says that he is a merciful and he is a compassionate high priest. He's lost none of his mercy. You see him walking through this earth. Showing his compassion, showing his mercy to the poor, to the ones that needed to be fed, to those that were sick, to those that were diseased. The Bible says that Jesus Christ was moved with compassion. He had an eager yearning, a deep desire on the inside of him to heal, to bless, and to lift humanity. The Bible says in Mark chapter 1, and I want you to turn over there, in 40 through verse 42. There came along one day a leper, and this leper beseeched him, and kneeling down to him, 
and said unto him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. You know, there's a lot of people that know he can, but they don't know he will. Modern theology magnifies his power. But you know what? The Bible doesn't say that God is power. The Bible says that God is love. And he said, I don't know whether you can or not, but if you can, would you please, if you're willing, please make me whole. Verse 41 goes on to say, and Jesus was moved with what? What was Jesus moved with? What is he moved with today? He's lost none of his compassion. He's lost none of his mercy. The scripture says he was moved with compassion. And here's what he did. He put forth his hand and he said unto him, I will be thou clean. You see, the I will of Jesus canceled the if of the leper. And the I will of Jesus is for you in this place today. You may be wondering if he's willing to heal you. He absolutely is willing to heal you. He not only is willing, but he's able to do for you what you could never do for yourself. Understand this, that the compassion of the Lord was a preeminent part of his life and of his ministry. It flowed through him like water. And that same compassion and that same love is here today. It's available to you in this place. Amen. Well, somebody says, I've failed and I've sinned and I've missed it. Well, I don't think there's anybody in this auditorium that hasn't sinned. I don't think there's anybody in this auditorium that hasn't failed. The Bible says that all have fallen short of the glory of God because all have sinned. Many times in the past, we've done foolish things. And as a result of doing foolish things, we open up a door to the enemy. You see, God is not putting sickness and disease and trauma upon his people. God is not the author of confusion. He's not the author of death. He's not the author of sickness and disease. It's the thief that does those things. The Bible says that the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But what have you come for, Jesus? He said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Thank God his abundant life trumps death. His abundant life causes sickness and disease to be placed under your feet. Thank God he's come that you might have life, that you might have joy, that you might have it in abundance. Now, we've done some foolish things in the past. And that's what the enemy tries to hold over your head. He tries many times to hold your past over your head and remind you of things that you used to do. Well, how many of you know you ain't what you used to be? And because you ain't what you used to be, you don't do what you used to do. Amen. But the enemy is a historian. He constantly brings pictures of the past and he tries to remind us of what scoundrels we were at one time. Well, I don't see anywhere in the word of God where it says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new scoundrel. But I did see in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 
thank God the old man is dead. We've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. Now we're new. Now we're born again. Now we're in right standing with him. Glory to God. One preacher said it, when the devil reminds you of your past, you simply remind him of his past. And then you let him know that his future don't look so bright either. I'm telling you, there ain't no future in the bottomless pit. There ain't no future in hell, Mr. Devil. And that's where you's headed, boy. So you just shut your stuff up and go right back where you belong. Tell the devil to go to whatever. Hallelujah. Amen. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. You've been that fool. I've been that fool. Turn over to Psalm 107. I think we'll begin right around in verse 17. Oh, the mercy of God. The mercy of God trumps your foolish ways. The mercy of God trumps your past. Hey, I just came by to tell you that God loves you and his mercy endures forever. His anger only lasts for a moment, but thank God his mercy endures forever. Psalm 107. There it is, fools. Look at this fool here. Fools. Now notice, it tells us the reason. Fools, because of their transgression... And because of their iniquities or their sins are afflicted. Notice it doesn't say that God brings affliction upon the fools. No, fools bring affliction upon themselves. (laughs) That's pretty clear, isn't it? Because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, they're afflicted. Now notice in verse 18. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat. And they draw near unto the gates of death. You see, one thing about yielding to sin, sin always brings with it death. Sin always brings with it what the law of sin and death has to offer. The law of sin and death has nothing good to offer you. The law of sin and death causes people to draw near to the gates of death. Notice with me in verse 19. But then, but then, what do they do? They say, oh, Lord, help me. No, they say, Lord, help me. They say, Lord, I've been that fool. And then the Bible says, they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. Aren't you glad to know that he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother in the time of trouble? He said, I'll be with you in trouble. He says, when you go through the fire, it'll not burn you. When you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll be with you to see to it that you go through and you make it through. Fools, because of their transgressions, are afflicted. But that's not the end of the story. And if you're that fool today, I didn't call you a fool. But if you've been acting like a fool, even as, do you know that you can act like a fool even as a Christian? Getting in strife with people is acting like a fool. Fornicating is acting like a fool. Cussing your neighbor out is acting like a fool. Christians cussing? Yeah, you can't, you heard it right. (laughs) 
Fools do foolish things. But you know what? When the light comes, you can cry unto the Lord. I said you can cry unto the Lord. Right smack dab in the midst of your trouble. And the Bible says, he saveth them out of their distresses. He saves them out of a life filled with stress. Verse 20. Are you ready to shout? He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. In other words, the enemy who was bringing destruction into their lives, when you cry unto the Lord and you cry out for the mercy of God, he's a friend that's right there, Johnny on the spot, to deliver you from your destructions. And not only that, but he can heal you of what's ailing you. I said he can heal you of what's ailing you. Because he sent his word. He sent his word. And he sends his word right into the midst of our difficulties. He sends his word right into the midst of our trouble. And the Bible says, and heals them. And delivers them from their destructions. You that lived tough lives in the past. You that perhaps maybe contracted some sort of a disease through sexual uh, play in your life. You that contracted certain disease because of some sort of drug addiction in your life. You that perhaps carry the HIV virus. Let me tell you something. His mercy endures forever. HIV is not the end of the story. Sickness and disease is not the end of the story. As long as Jesus is on the throne of grace, there is hope for you in your situation. We've all done some foolish things. All of us should be in hell today. But thank God His mercy endures forever. And don't you let some piece of paper or some doctor's report define you. You let the Word of God define you. HIV does not define you. Sexual disease does not define you. The Word of God defines you. The Word of God says that you are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. Don't you get under condemnation under your past. Over your past. That's exactly what the devil wants to do. The Bible says that in Christ Jesus, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For there is a law that's higher than the law of sin and death. It is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And it will lift you up from the law of sin and death. Oh, thank you, Lord. Now, once you've cried out for mercy... And once you have petitioned the Lord for mercy, and once you have received mercy, here's what you need to do. The Bible says, whoso confesseth and forsaketh his sin. That is the person that's going to have mercy. Now I'm talking to everybody. Because as Christians, it's possible to sin. As Christian, it's possible to miss the mark. You've missed the mark. I've missed the mark. We've all missed the mark, mark, mark. We don't rejoice in the fact that we have missed the mark. And we don't purposely and habitually practice sin as a way of life. But sometimes we stumble over things we shouldn't stumble over. Amen? 
Now, just because his mercy endures forever and just because he loves you greatly doesn't give you a license to keep repeating the same stupid mistakes. Are you listening to me? Because you see, it's not just the person that confesses their sin that'll have mercy, but it is the person that forsaketh and confesseth their sin that shall have mercy. See, the forsaking part is the repenting part. The forsaking part is the continuous turning away from sin in everyday life toward God. You see, the forsaking part is not just saying no, it's also saying yes. And when a person truly is repentant over a sin in their lives, not only will they confess it, but they'll forsake it. And they will build boundaries around their lives so that they see that they enter not in to that same sin again. Now, I know I'm preaching all right today. Now, I had these scriptures written down, but I lost my notes and I'm kind of glad I did. But there is a scripture in the book of Psalms that says, by mercy... The Okay, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. Now, that, that'll preach right there. Okay, so iniquity is sin, and we get mercy for our sin by going to the Lord, confessing it and forsaking it. But it's not just by mercy that sin is purged. It says by mercy and truth. By mercy and truth. You can't live a victorious life without truth. I can't. You can't live a sanctified life without truth. What do you mean truth? Okay, I'm glad you asked. Turn with me to John 17. John 17. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. So it's very important... That we go to the God of all mercies, the Father of all mercies, and get forgiveness of sins. But then it's also very important that we fill our lives up with truth. Yes. Good. That we fill our lives up with the Word. Yes. Now notice, in John 17, verse 17, Jesus said something very enlightening. This was His high priestly ministry. Before He was going to be seated at the right hand of the Father. I want you to think about this with me for a while today. Let's read this together three times. Ready, read. Again, sanctify them. Okay, keep that right up there. Sanctify. The word sanctify means separate. Separate. And he's praying for you and he's praying for me. So he's saying that there will a sep- there, there needs to be a separation take place, and that separation will only take place through the truth. And then he defines for us what the truth is. He says, "My word is truth." I don't know whether you've seen this or not, but the word of God has sanctifying power in it. I'm going to try this section over here. The Word of God 
has the power to separate you from the things that have brought you down in the past. This section over here. The word of God has sanctifying power in it. It will separate you. It'll separate you from alcohol. It'll separate you from heroin. It'll separate you from fornication. It'll separate you from pornography. It'll separate you from being a thief. That's what separated me from my past. Sanctify Mark Thomas. And now, Mark, here's my word. As you get my word in you, and as I abide in you, and you abide in me, that word will separate you from what you used to be and make you what you ought to be. Mm. There is sanctifying power through the word of God. It'll separate you from the world. Notice with me now in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. And I want to look at the amplified version. So by mercy and truth, your sin is purged. In other words, it is kept once and for all under your feet. In other words, it's history. Now the old man will try to rise up, but you've got authority over that. You say, old man, get back in there. You get back in there. You're dead. You're dead in your life now, old man, is hid with Christ in God. Now notice this in, in, in verse 1 of Galatians chapter 5. Let's read it together. He said, in this freedom, Christ has made us free and completely liberated us. Stand fast then and do not be hampered and held ensnared and submit again to what? Would you not agree that, that sin is slavery? How many, of you have, how many of you have fallen over the same thing more than once? How, how, how does it make you feel? Liberated? You, you can't... Listen... When you're born again, you cannot sin and enjoy it anymore. Somebody says, yeah, I know I've tried. You, you just can't do it. See, the Bible says that the pleasures of sin is but for a season. Well, that season ended with me a long time ago. And so he says... Stand fast then and do not be hampered and held ensnared and submit to again to a yoke of slavery. Now notice this. We know he's talking to Christians, which you have once put off. See, the Bible says put off the old man and then do what? It's not enough just to put off the old man. You've got to put on the new man. So he says, it's possible for a Christian to become ensnared again for what they've been liberated from. Okay? And so he tells us, in this freedom that Christ has made us free, 
and completely liberated us. I want you to stand fast in that. In other words, stand fast in what has freed you up in the first place. Stand fast in what has liberated you already. It's possible to let the word slip. It's possible to become ensnared again with the yoke of bondage if you don't stand fast in this freedom. What freedom? Well, I'm glad you asked. John chapter 8. Look at John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 John chapter 8, verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word. That's the same way of saying stand fast then. Isn't it? Stand fast then. If you continue in my word, if you stand fast and in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Then you are my disciplined followers indeed. Verse 32. Did you wear your shouting clothes? Read it with me. And you shall know the truth and the truth. You shall know what? You shall know what? Sanctify them through thy. Thy word is. And you shall know the. And the truth shall sanctify you. The truth shall keep you free. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall do what? Now, faith for continued freedom in my life and in your life does not come by having heard. Faith comes by hearing. And continuously hearing the word of truth. So faith to live a victorious life and to operate in the mercy of God comes by continually hearing and holding fast to the word that initially set you free. And he says, and you'll know the truth. And the truth will make you free. You know what I advise you to do? I advise you, strongly advise you, to get in this word and stay in this word for the rest of your life. This is my advice. This is my prescription for life right here. Pastor Mark, what do I do about debt? Look in the word. What do I do about mental torment? Look in the word. What do I do about sickness and disease? Look in the word. Now go with me to, I think it's Mark chapter uh, 10. Mark the 10th chapter. Say it with me, His mercy endures. It endures forever. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. You know, it's very interesting to me uh, as I look in the gospel, how many times... That when people approached Jesus for healing or for deliverance, they approached him based on his mercy. Lord, have mercy on my son. He's a lunatic. Lord, have mercy on my daughter. The blind men, Lord, have mercy on me. 
Have mercy. What are they saying? Lord, have compassion on me. Now notice with me in Mark chapter 10, and I think it's uh, verse 40. I'll have to find it here. Thank you, Lord. How many of you are believing with me? You believe the Lord's helping us today? You believe that answers are coming forth today? Oh, glory to God. I know they are. I know answers are coming. Well, let's begin in verse 46. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. You all comfortable? Don't get too comfortable now. Now notice with me. In Mark chapter 10, everybody there? Verse 46. All right. Now, and they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great number of people. Man, they heard about him, hadn't they? They heard about his compassion. And blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side. And what was he doing? Was Bartimaeus a beggar? What do beggars do? They beg. So blind Bartimaeus can't see a thing. He's over there by the side of the road. He hears a commotion. And he's begging. Next verse. But he heard something. And something perked up on him when he heard this. Faith rose up. Faith in the mercy of God. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to do what? How many of you know it's okay to cry out? Sometimes the strongest prayer you can pray is, Lord, help! Begin to cry out. And to say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He wasn't looking for money. He was looking for healing. Everybody try that on for size. Say it as loud as you can. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. That's King James Version for shut up. (laughs) Don't you see you're disturbing what's taking place? Be quiet. But the Bible says he cried out a great deal more. <laughs> Mercy trumps religion seven days a week. The Bible says he cried out a great deal more. Jesus, help me out. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. That's 
what the HIV people should be doing. That's what cancer people ought to be doing. Have mercy on me, son of David. And Jesus stood still. There was a cry of faith for compassion. And it stopped Jesus in his tracks. If you want to get his attention, call out for his mercy. He is so full of compassion for people. He loves you so much that when you tap into his mercy and love with your faith, he'll be ready. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Now they're not telling him to shut up. Oh, the master wants him. And they called the blind man and they said unto him, be of good comfort. He calls you. And I want you to see this in verse 50. Because beggars in those days had beggar garments. And it signified that they were in a place in culture that was needy and they were hurting. And here's what Jesus said. He called him and he, he took his beggar's garment off. He rose up and he came to Jesus. Let your past go. Let the difficulties that you're going through and have been going through, let it go. It's a new day. The mercy of the Lord is here. And it endures forever. He cast away his garment, he rose and he came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What? Wilt thou that I should do unto thee? Who glory. And the blind men said unto him, Master, that I may receive my sight. Now notice this. Verse 52. Read it with me, please. And Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way. Thy faith has made thee... Read that again. And Jesus said unto him... Go your way, thy faith has made you whole. Notice he didn't say, my mercy made you whole. But he said, it is your faith in my mercy that will make you whole. And it will do it every time, every day. Because his mercy endures forever. And he's given you the ability called faith to tap into it. And the Bible says immediately he received his sight. And you know what he did? 
He followed Jesus in the way. And there's a revelation right there. Once you've been sanctified through truth and you've been set free from things, follow Jesus every day. Follow Jesus every day. Follow Him with all of your heart. Years ago, Kenneth and Gloria Copeland uh, were traveling to Australia. And they had a son by the name of John. And John was one of these boys that liked machines, motorcycles, every kind of machine you could ride. And he was getting in accidents a lot of the time. And so the enemy brought this thought to Gloria as they were going out of town that the enemy was going to take his life. And so she was tempted to fret about their son, John. And she was tempted to worry about it. And as they were traveling and kind of seeking the Lord and praying, the Holy Spirit spoke to glory. And this is a word for many of you here today. And the word was this. My mercy hovers over John. That was a rhema word. Which translates into, don't you worry about a single thing. My mercy is hovering over your son, John, and it will be well with him. Nothing bad will happen to him because my mercy is on the spot. Some of you are in that position today. You've got loved ones. You've got family members that you have been carrying and you've been worrying about them and you've been carrying the care of them for too long. God is saying to you this morning, put that son... Put that daughter, put that brother, put that mother, put that father over into my hands. Cast the care of your loved ones on me. And as you do what the word says to do, his mercy shall surely hover over them. Now, if you're in that case today, simply raise your hand and say this with me. Heavenly Father, I declare by the anointing of the Spirit and by a rhema word that your mercy hovers over my son. That your mercy hovers over my daughter. Your mercy hovers over my loved ones. Thank you, Lord. Let's lift our voice and thank Him that His mercy hovers over their lives. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Oh, the eyes of the Lord are on your children. The eyes of the Lord are hunting. They're going through the whole earth, looking from the north to the south and the east to the west, Looking for an opportunity to show himself strong on the behalf of your life and on the behalf of your loved ones. Brother Hagen saw Jesus in a vision. And when he looked into Jesus' eyes, the way that he described his eyes were filled with liquid love. Can you imagine? Just like wells of liquid love. And those are the eyes that are looking after you. And those are the eyes that are hunting through this congregation today to show himself strong. His eyes are on you. He loves you. And he's here today 
to do a work in you. Let's pray. Dear Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this encouraging word this morning. Thank you, Father, so much that your mercy hovers over every one of us. And just like blind Bartimaeus, some of us just cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Thank you, Lord, that even though we've done foolish things, that your word is still alive and that it sanctifies us and it separates us from everything that would pollute or bring us down. Father, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I pray for my friends today. I pray that you would touch their lives. Touch them physically, Lord. Just like you touched the leper, I pray, Lord God, that you would touch people's spirits. Touch them in their emotions and touch them physically, Lord. We say to those that need healing to be healed in the name of Jesus. We ask you, sir, where there's been emptiness, where there's been sorrow, that you would replace it with the fullness of your spirit. Restore unto many this morning the joy and the rejoicing of their salvation, of their deliverance. And Lord, we pray for others here this morning that have not yet made Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. They have not yet crossed that line of commitment. They've been almost there But every time they get to that point of crossing over, they seem to back off out of fear. I believe the Lord is saying, don't be afraid. Believe only this morning. Believe in the fact that my life was given for you, that my blood was shed for you. And come on into my family, for I will open, openly greet you this day.